With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Welcome back to another edition of Funky Monkey MMA. I am your host, Kane Miller, joined by my co-host, Joel Rojas. Uh, Joel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Excited to have Mr. Rinaldi on. Should be a good one. Oh, uh, yeah. We have a fantastic guest today. Our guest is a UFC lightweight who is coming off of a big win at UFC Fight Night 114. Please help me welcome Jordan Rinaldi. Jordan, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Now, uh, first off, congratulations on your big win at UFC Fight Night 114. You managed to submit your opponent, Alvaro Herrera, with the rare Von Flew choke in the first round. Uh, overall, are you happy with your performance? I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, there are some things I could definitely uh, improve upon, and, and that's what I'm going to be working on. I was a little too aggressive uh, on the feet at times, and got me into a little trouble towards the end. But, I mean, there's obviously always things in every fight that I'm going to be able to pick apart on and improve upon. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think you, you alluded to it right there. But um, before the fight went to the ground, Herrera did appear to clip you on the feet, which led to you shooting for the takedown. So he did actually, he did manage to hurt you a little bit while standing, or is that just kind of how you engaged with him in the clinch? No, it was actually a, a head clash, really. So he threw a hook when I was coming in with my uppercut, and the hook landed behind my head. So it was more like his forearm kind of pulled me into his uh, cheekbone as I was planning after that uppercut to shoot anyway. So so it was kind of my forward momentum as well as that, that arm kind of pulling me in, and I smashed into his, his I guess, cheekbone uh, is what it looks like in the in the replay. But... Apparently, it didn't feel too good to me. That's for sure. Once the the fight got to the ground, I mean, like Kay mentioned, you hit him with that rare round flu choke. Was that something that you've been working on in the gym, or is that something that you just did on, on the fly? It's not something I work on a ton. Uh, my old coach in Vegas, Sergio Pena, he, he loved that choke. And, and with the group of guys that we had there, we had a lot of strikers and wrestlers. So the strikers, when we would uh, take them down, they would tend to hang on to that guillotine a little long. So Sergio would always tell us to go for it, and he, he loved it. And one of my teammates there actually choked somebody out while I was uh, there in one of his fights. So so it's something that I've done in the past, and when it presents itself, I'll go for it. But it's not something uh, I practice 
too regularly, I would say. Coming back from such a long layoff, I believe last night was against April Trujillo, I think May of last year. Um, did you feel any, any as they call it, um, ring rust? Did you feel like you had something to prove after coming back from such a long layoff? Did you feel any pressure at all? The ring rust, I mean, I didn't really have enough time to really feel the effects of that or anything. I'm, I mean, it was such a short fight that I'm not sure how my cardio was, how everything else was preparing for it. But there's just a lot of pressure on me for uh, losing that last fight, my first fight in the UFC. And, you know, if you go 0-2, there's a there's a possibility of getting cut. So those were the, the things that were putting pressure on me. But as well as getting the first win for my gym and, and for Charlotte and everything, it, it put a lot of pressure on me. But, I mean, it wasn't enough time to really see much of an effect from it at all, I, at least in my eyes, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And uh, before your fight went to the ground, um, I believe it looked like Hereda managed to uh, cut you. Was that from was that from the result of the clash of heads that you mentioned? Yes, that was that was from the head clash, and it looks from the replays and everything. If you watch in slow mo, it looks like when I fell into his face a little bit, he has some pretty strong uh, cheekbones, and and it looks like that's where I smashed uh, my eyebrow. So it's just my eyebrow being really sharp bone, you know, and then his uh, cheekbones being pretty, pretty strong also. So it just sliced me open a little bit. It, it wasn't bad enough to get stitches for some reason, but it was just gushing for, for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I noticed it uh, when it first happened, but it didn't even really seem to phase you all that much. Were you even aware that you had been cut at the time, or were you just focused on finishing the fight? Well, when I, I actually set up in that Von Flute choke, it started pouring all over my arms. And, and at the time, I had no idea how big the cut was. So uh, once I had that, his arm that was in the guillotine, once I had that locked up and I knew he wasn't getting that out, I said, I have to finish this fight right now because if I get up and this cut is huge and it's dripping right into my eye, they could be stopping the fight because of how much blood I could see pouring onto my arms, I said, this has got to be a large cut. It's got to be pretty bad for, for this much blood flow. So once I saw it on my arm just pouring out, that's when I said, I'm finishing this right here. And and it was kind of an, a sense of urgency in that finish too because I was I was really thinking in my head that they could stop it if it if it kept going. Yeah, now, yeah. I want to rewind a bit to some of the fights that you had in the past before making it to the UFC. Um, you know, there is, there are some fighters that – you know, they face fighters that, you know, are still on the on the up and up, on the come up. But you, I mean, aside from fighting other fighters, you faced fighters that are now considered veterans in the UFC. And Brian Ortega is the one that comes to mind right now. I know there's a couple mm-hmm. of more. Um, Moonwalker is another one that comes to mind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is there is, is any of those fi- fights that you've lost to any of those opponents interest you to have a rematch or maybe getting that win back? Or are you just focused on moving forward? And if so, who do you have in mind? I mean, I'm focused on moving forward. I mean, Ortega's kind of a sore subject. I, I have a little, I'm a little bit upset about that fight mostly. And and I did really well against him. I was winning the fight until I got caught in that triangle. But at the same time, I mean, he has a asterisk on his career now forever. And and so with that in mind, and he said a 145. I, I've kind of 
push that aside because I'm not going to go down to 145 ever again. And uh, Muntasri's retired now, and mm-hmm. I can't. Abel, I would love to have that Abel fight back. I, he actually came and talked to me when we were at the retreat, and he's a nice guy. I mean, personally with me. And so I wouldn't mind having that back. I think I would do better now that I, I see that I do belong in the UFC. And and I think I could give him a, a big problem, especially with a full camp and, and kind of time to realize, hey, this is a UFC fight and not just a 10 days notice. Absolutely. And Abel, Abel has a tendency of gassing um, from the middle of the second, sometimes even in the first going forward, throws a lot of power shots. And he actually was scheduled to face Lando Venata. I'm, I'm assuming he was injured. I didn't really hear anything about why the uh, opponent opponent change happened, but I definitely would be interested in seeing that rematch. I think it, you know, as fighters progress and they learn with every single fight that they that they have, they learn from their mistakes or they you know they just grow. Period. And I think it will be a great fight because I definitely know that you have grown since that since that fight. You've been you've been out for a bit, and I know you've been in the gym working hard, so it definitely would be an interesting idea to have that rematch if if it was to ever Absolutely. happen. And, and that's something that's down the road. I mean, uh, rematches with uh, lower-level guys aren't that common, you know, and, and it'd be something down the road when I when I really make a name for myself. And he's already a top probably 15 guy, I think, in the world right now, and I think he's only – I think he's like eight and three in the UFC, something like that, which is fantastic for the amount of time he's been in there and the the level of competition that he's fought. So I mean, that's something down the road that uh, I get a little bit of steam going with a winning streak, you know, and and then maybe looking for that rematch. Because I mean, taking that fight on short notice, the reason I got it was because no one on the roster wanted to fight him on that short of notice, you know. Absolutely, it's always good to step up because that you know. Even though it was a losing effort, you, you put your heart into that fight. But it, it shows the UFC brass that you you are you are gaming. You're ready to go at any at the drop of a dime. And a lot of fighters, you know, nowadays don't don't do that. I mean, some fighters duck other fighters for whatever reason, and some fighters just don't want to take a a fight against a dangerous opponent in ten days' notice. So that I mean, that hats off to you for that one because the, a lot of people would not have taken that fight. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, just one last question, just about your your most recent uh, fight. One one more question regarding your last fight. Um, when you did lock in that Von Flee choke, uh, Herrera appeared to tap out for an extended period of time before the ref finally jumped in to stop it. Uh, you said afterwards that you actually yelled at the ref that he was tapping. Um, do you think that the ref possibly hesitated just because it's such a rare submission, or what do you think the hesitation was? I don't think it was a hesitation at all. I just think he was in a bad position. He didn't see it. I mean, he was he okay. was looking more for the guillotine probably on my side or for Herrera, but in actuality, I was choking him, and, and Herrera was tapping on the other side where, where he really couldn't see. So it was more a vantage point thing for the referee instead of a hesitation. But, of course, I've, I've gotten a little uh, pushback on me for holding that on a little long, but... I wasn't going to let go until the ref saw it, and, and that's why I had to turn to him and yell at him as, as much as I could, you know, that, hey, he's tapping. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it, it's I mean it's it's your job to finish the fight, but it's not your job to stop the fight, I guess. You know, you're just in the, you're doing your job. You look up in the submission. Uh, if he's tapping, I mean, it's not your job to, like, 
let go immediately. It's when the ref steps in. So, you know, there, it's it's no, like, fault on you or anything like that for it. And um, so now that you're in the UFC win column, what's next for you? Like, who do you want to face next for for uh, any future fights? There, I mean, I don't call people out, and I, and I don't know what would be a good matchup for me. I think I match up well with most people in the lightweight division, even though it's, it's probably the most talentful division in in all of mixed martial arts, not only the UFC, but I mean, I'm ready for anybody, anytime. Uh, right now we're looking at the Norfolk card in Virginia. Hopefully that will work out and we'll get a good opponent, but, but the Norfolk card and, and finding the right opponent, you, you can't just jump in there and say, Hey, I want a top 10 guy after your first win. So, so slowly building myself up getting the right matchup is, is the number one key and, and who that is, I'm not too sure yet. And that's something that, my brother and my manager are working on right now. Okay, With the exception yeah. of your two um, UFC fights that you've had, uh, aside from those, what would you consider your most important and most, um, yeah, your most important fight that you've had in, in your career thus far? Like I said, aside from the ones that you had in the UFC. It's definitely got to be Bermudez. I mean, it was it was right before he went on the Ultimate Fighter and he did so well and and he's top ten, I believe, now in in the featherweight division and. And it was a submission victory two minutes into the fight or something like that. And and it's got to be the best win of my career. It's really the one that people started looking at me and saying, hey, this guy's serious. He's 6-0 now. And, and uh, that kind of pushed me into the, the spotlight for the ultimate fighter and everything like that on Tough 15. So it's definitely got to be that Bermudez win. Yeah, cool. And, um, you know, before you said uh, – you know, you're you're in the lightweight division, and many would agree that 155 is the most stocked division in the UFC. But lightweight is in a tricky position right now. The champion Conor McGregor, of course, has shifted over to boxing, yet he still holds the belt. Can you just kind of get your thoughts on this, since it is your weight class? Do you think it's good for the division because it provides promotion, or is it bad because it results in a bit of a stalemate for the fighter rankings? Well, it's kind of a two-part uh, situation as well because McGregor's holding that belt, which I think plenty of guys at 155 could stomp him. But at the same time, you have the number one and two contenders. One of them had to pull out of a fight recently, so or the the uh, number one contender fight. So you also have to put a little responsibility on Habib because he, he wasn't able to compete and I don't know if it was because of a bad weight cut. What it seems like it was a bad weight cut for sure. So, uh, I mean, it's not only Connor holding up the division. It's also the number one or two contender. I don't know which one he is in Habib. But, I mean, it's no big deal, too, because, at least for me, I'm not fighting for a title anytime soon. So, it it doesn't bother me at all. But, also, Connor's making – he's getting more fans, even though it's – kind of a circus and everything like that. He's getting maybe uh, possible boxing fans that'll come over, just the the random casual fans that, that have never watched an MMA fight, but they see Connor on uh, the Tonight Show or something like that, and they're like, hey, who is this guy? He's funny. He's, he's charismatic. He has all these qualities. Let's check this guy out. So I kind of like it a little bit. He He helps grow the sport. Yeah, and, you know, of course, with, with all that in mind, you know, we, we have to ask, how do you think Connor will fare against Mayweather? Do you give him a chance in that fight? I give him the slightest chance in the world. If I was a betting man and I had a little extra money, I might put a little bit on him because the 
because the odds are stacked against him. But, I mean, if if it goes past the second round, he really has no chance, I don't think. And and the chance that he does have in those first two rounds are, are slim to none, you know. So it's going to be a boxing clinic. Mayweather's going to do what he does best, which is avoid punches and, and counter punch very well. So I, I still think Mayweather is going to be faster than Connor. Connor will have the, the power advantage for sure, but he's he's not going to be fast enough. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now, the one thing, I mean, and this is pertaining to your division as well, um, if you recall the fight between Kevin Lee and Kiesa, how it was such an early stoppage by Mario Masaki, um, did, you, did you think that he was out or going to go out? And un, unfortunately, that rematch is, held, is put on hold now. So what I understand, Tony Ferguson will be fighting Kevin Lee in his next fight. They're aiming for, I believe, the T-Mobile Arena, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean... Really? I'm They've already booked that fight? Yeah. I have yeah. no idea about that. That's that's a good fight right there. That'll be that'll be fantastic. Um, Absolutely. I I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about... Uh, uh, what's his name? Kiesa. He's a nice guy. I talked to him here and there, but... Uh, I don't think he was getting out of that choke. I mean, he, I think he had a body triangle on him, and then he he was under the throat with his hands locked behind the head. He was talking about shrugging his shoulders and doing X, Y, Z. I'm sorry, that, he ain't getting out of that, man. I mean, it was a bad choice for the ref to step in there, but I'm, I'm about 99% sure he was going to go to sleep if he didn't tap shortly. It was definitely sunken pretty deep, for sure. Yeah, I mean... It, if you've been in that situation, I mean, if it's under the chin, you have a body triangle, the hands are hidden. It wasn't like the hands were still uh, being messed with by Kiesa. The hands were already behind the head and, and hidden in a way that he wasn't going to be able to get out of it. So so I might like the guy, but I don't think he was going to get out of there. Okay, yeah. And, you know, with uh, if uh, Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee uh, do wind up in the cage together, it looks like that'll likely be a number one contender fight, you'd have to imagine. I mean, I think Khabib kind of lost his chance with the failed weight cut leading up to his last scheduled fight. So do you think with like kind of like the overabundance of interim titles within the UFC, do you think that that should be like for an interim belt, or do you think that the winner of that fight should just not be given anything and just be allowed the next actual title shot against Conor uh, if and when he does return to MMA? Absolutely. Absolutely, they should definitely give that the winner of that fight the first shot at Connor. I mean, unless it's going to go down to uh, 145 where he fights um, Holloway. I mean, one of those two has to be it, either Holloway or the winner of the Lee and uh, Tony Ferguson fight. I mean, he, he needs to defend these belts because it is putting it on hold. But, I mean, there's no reason not to. If he if he does come back to, to the UFC, I mean, he, he needs to go ahead and defend it or just go ahead and strip him of the belt, you know? Absolutely, and, you know, it's such a uh, an interesting and fun time now for the lightweight division with the addition of Justin Gaethje and now Eddie Alvarez and him <laughs> wrapping up the coaching of the Ultimate Fighter. That's another fight that, you know, some people may argue and say, well, that could be a number one contender fight as well. It's just an overall fun time for the, for the lightweight division in general. I think that there's a lot of great fights to be made, and there's a lot of stylistic matchups that will make great fights, and... It's it's going to be interesting over the next year how how much it flourishes and how much more popular it gets than what it already is. Aside from Conor McGregor, of course, this is going to be an interesting um, 
top 15 pitcher and matchups to be made. Absolutely, and, and it is, like I said before, the most talent-saturated division by far just because of the average size of a person, you know. I mean, we walk around 170 to 190, somewhere in that range. I mean, that's an average-sized person. And then the the big problem that I see in the lightweight division is there's no stars in it, really, except for Connor, which he's not really a 155-er. But, I mean, how many casual fans know of Tony Ferguson or how many casual fans really know of Abib? Uh, it's it's kind of in a place where we need somebody to, to kind of shine out there, you know, and, and uh, who knows who that will be in the next year or so. Maybe me, maybe somebody else, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, talking about why lightweight is so stacked, I mean, it's because it's a lot of like kind of the natural weight once guys cut down uh, for guys to fight at. But a big kind of buzz right now, speaking of like the issues with Khabib's weight cut, is that the drastic difference between lightweight and welterweight is too big of a gap. And many people are calling for more weight divisions within the UFC so that people don't have to make such drastic differences with their weight cutting. Is that something that you would personally like to see within the, within the organization? I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. I, I, I'm for it if it, if it helps. And, I, and there's good that can come from it as far as more weight classes means more titles, more pay-per-view fights, more, more, you know, bringing in those casual fans because of these bigger super fights uh, or title fights much more often. So, so there's good things about it. I mean, along with the fact that I'm one of the smaller 55ers, I, I would say now, because I, I fought at 45 a few times and I was probably the biggest 45 ever, but I mean, being the smaller, uh, on the smaller side of the 155 division, I I wouldn't mind if 65 came in and these enormous 55ers would kind of go ahead and go on up. I'd, I'd like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, we've talked about how lightweight is so stacked and how exciting of a division that it is with all these new fighters coming over to the UFC. Um, are there any guys that are part of uh, maybe your fight team or any you know part of your camp or someone that you've run into on the regional circuit do you think is someone to keep an eye on and someone that could make it to the UFC pretty soon? Well, I mean, not in my weight division, really. I mean, I have a teammate who's a 185-er. I'm trying to convince him to drop down to 170 or 75 if they make that division. Uh, his name is Jeremy Purdue, but he's 4-4 four four right now, but it's a very deceiving 4-4. Four and in the next year or two, I, I imagine he can make a big jump and push for the UFC. Um, somebody down here in Atlanta also is a friend of mine named Chaz Walton, who's, mm-hmm. I believe he's 5 or 6-0 and oh at 155. He's one of the enormous 155s. And, and I think, or he's coming off an injury, so he's, he's trying to get back in onto the grind. But he's definitely someone to keep an eye on for sure. Okay, really cool. And uh, I think I just have a couple more questions here. Um, uh, first, you know, stepping away from from your MMA career, you know, when you're not training, uh, what else are you doing in your free time? You know, do you have any hobbies or anything else to pass the time? I mean, I'm so broke that I, I really don't have enough money to do any hobbies. So I just do a lot of reading every – or not a lot of reading, but read my Bible every day, hang out with the wife when I can. And uh, I'm a car guy, so – Watching, you know, Top Gear and the Grand Tour, those are those are my favorite things to do. 
wishing that I could own one of these cars one day, but I mean, for right now, just, just hanging out with my wife and, and doing some reading and everything. And that's about it. I'm kind of a boring guy. <laughs> and is MMA um, something that you've been wanting to do since you were a child? Or is that something that you, you know, some some fighters have said that they they found MMA by accident. You know, they were just, I, I remember speaking to one guy and said that he was delivering food to a gym and he fell in love with the sport. Is that something that you yeah. aspired to be since you were young? So, no, and, and I'm a little bit on the middle age where uh, other UFC fighters now that, I mean, when I was young, this stuff was looked at as terrible. I mean, back in the early 90s, they marketed it as human cockfighting, basically. So so absolutely not then, but when I was in high school, wrestling uh, was when the first Ultimate Fighter came out. And and right when I saw the, the first season, we were all watching it as a team on Monday nights or Wednesday nights after practice. And it was it was something that I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but... I never thought, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight, you know. But then after uh, high school, I went to college and I didn't wrestle in college, so I started getting fat. I put on about 40 pounds of just growing, but also a little bit of fat. So um, a friend of mine who worked with me at the car wash said, hey, you should go and check out jujitsu. Uh, there's a Hoist Gracie gym that I go to, and and you'd be really good at it because he knew me from wrestling in high school. So. I went in there not thinking I was going to do anything, and the first day I was in there, I actually broke my elbow on on the wall because it wasn't padded. And then that was towards the end of practice, but by the end of it, I was like, "Hey, this is fantastic! I want to I want to do this jujitsu thing out." So then, after I was doing jujitsu for a year, my coach was like, "Hey, why don't you try a fight? You know, why why not? There's no nothing wrong with it. You'll do fine." And, and that's basically how I got into it. It wasn't planned at all. And and I really think that those are the ones that are going to do best, honestly. The ones who are who don't go into it saying, hey, I'm I'm going to be a fighter. It's the ones who go in there kind of stumbling on it accidentally and, and turn out to be humble and, and work at the at the disciplines they don't know very well. And, and those are always the ones that pan out in, in my local gym, at least. And, and I think those are the ones that do best. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Um, so I think I just have one more question, but, uh, Joel, did you have any other uh, last questions you want to get in before we wrap up? No, not, not at all. I mean, like I said, it's a pleasure to have you on and hope to see, which I know I will be seeing even more great things from you and just enjoy the ride. I appreciate it. Thank you. Right, yeah, and yeah, before we before we sign off here, uh Jordan, you know, do you have any uh last words, like any shout outs or thank yous or anything else you'd like to mention? I'm just grateful to the Lord for, for giving me every breath in my lungs and all the talents that I needed uh, to be successful so far and my team, Team Rock and Charlotte, uh, my teammates and coaches and my lovely wife sitting here beside me, Kara. And and that's about it. All right. Sounds good. Well, Jordan, thank you very much for your time. It was great talking to you. Congratulations once again on your win, and we look forward to seeing you fight again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you both for having me. Awesome. Thank you. And that was UFC lightweight Jordan Rinaldi. Guys, thank you very much, as always, for listening. Big thank you to Joel Rojas for helping me co-host. Joel, where can people find you at? Um, On Facebook, uh, Joel Rojas. Uh, and on Twitter at JR underscore double underscore. 
Um, just want to give a quick shout out to my wife, Amy, best wife on a uh, man could ever ask for, and my two daughters, Ayana and Sonaya, who are just the future. Our, our youth is the future, and it's going to start with them. All right, guys, and before we sign off officially, we have a very special guest here, Ben, the drill sergeant. He's been on here before. He's been a guest on the podcast, and he has an upcoming fight. Ben trains out of Nashville, MMA. He's hosted Funky Monkey Radio before, and he is an undefeated professional fighter with six finishes under his belt. This Saturday, he will be at the main event against Brandon Bell at the Bell- for Bellador at the Bristol Motor Speedway before the NASCAR night race. Uh, ben, can you give us some more information about your fight? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tickets are free. That's uh, first and foremost, big stars before and after that. Um, it's free. You don't even have a you didn't you don't even have to have a uh, NASCAR ticket to watch the night race. It is right before you enter in the uh, actual NASCAR race, the night race. Seats are first first come first serve. Uh, get there early. Fights start at four, and it's um, there are five super awesome fights uh, from the southeast region that um, you you won't want to miss. Nobody will want to miss this. Uh, Bellator is putting on uh, putting on shows around uh, the NASCAR tracks uh, all over the United States, and uh, we're lucky here in Tennessee to have those going on. And I'm awesome. Um, well, yeah, I'm awesome, but I'm very excited to uh, be a part of it. Yeah, awesome. And uh, you know, like we said, we're facing Brandon Bell uh, with the main event. How do you see yourself getting your hand raised in this fight? Uh, finish as always. I always look for a finish. Um, I never look for the win. I've never looked for a win. I always want to get that finish. Uh, he he's very tough, and he's 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 very tough, very very tough, very durable, and um, he's very strong. He relies on his strength in any fight. Um, a lot of a lot of people that are very interested in his fight, uh, local fans. Uh, they they call this fight uh, brawn versus brain. You know, I'm the brain. I'm the one that you know more methodical, more of a uh, um, do this, do that, how to do this, how to do that. He's more of a I'm gonna get a hold of you, take you down, and beat on you for three straight rounds to get a win. And um, he's he's strong, like I said, and uh, you know I. I got to prevent him from uh, doing that and look for a finish. All right, sounds good. Well, we look forward to seeing it. Uh, like we said, that'll be this Saturday. It'll be one of four fights at that event. And also, if you're interested in going, I'm told that Dan Henderson and Phil Davis will also be there to sign autographs. So you guys can also get your hands on that as well. Yeah, right, well, we ben, have. Uh, you. Yep. We have three special guests uh, that will be signing autographs. It will be uh, Dan Henderson, Phil Davis, and Ben Sargent. So come out and uh, check out Ben Sargent. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, man. You're the one that everyone wants to see. Uh, You know, definitely, man. We know, like, you're a very exciting fighter. You finish your fights, and that's that's what fans want. You know, you can't ask for anything more than that. You know, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, we know you're going to do great. You're going to continue being undefeated. And, yeah, you're a true rising name in the sport. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate your all's uh, support, too. Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys. And as always, a big thanks to Rob Mead, the head of our site. want to thank him every chance we get. 
Uh, make sure to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at FunkyMonkeyMMA. You can follow me on Twitter at Kane E. Miller. And keep up with the site FunkyMonkeyMMA.com for the latest interviews, event photos, and analysis pieces. We'll see you next time. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Danger Zone Mixed Martial Arts returns for the Summit City Showdown at Pierre's Entertainment Center in Fort Wayne, Indiana on August 19th. Danger Zone Championship Fight featuring Jacob the Juggernaut Kindig versus Ian the Giant Killer Pfeiffer. See Damon Carroll versus Fort Wayne's Brandon Morris. And making a special appearance, Triple Crown UFC Champion and Hall of Famer Dan the Beast Severn. It's the Summit City Showdown August 19th at Pierre's Entertainment Center. Get in the Danger Zone. Hey, it's Dustin Hill with a view from the 618. Be sure to check out my interview with Ken the Sensation Porter, who will co-main event LFA 19 only at FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cast Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.